0: We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. As you're being
1: seated, you can take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Over the next few Sundays, I want to talk to you about a faith that moves. For you see, I believe if your faith doesn't move you, it's really not faith at all. It's counterfeit. Faith has to bring you to a demonstrable action of the love of Jesus Christ in and through your life. Regardless of your circumstances, whether things are going well or whether things are going poorly, whether you have a lot of money or no money, whether you have a job or you're unemployed, whether you're in a great relationship or a bad relationship or no relationship, Your faith in Jesus Christ should move you to follow God's word and become the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. It should be demonstrated in our lives every single day. But so often we allow circumstances to dictate our response to the faith that's within us. We allow issues or pressures of daily life to determine how we react on a daily basis. I believe if we come to the place where we understand true faith moves us, then no matter what we're walking through, what we're dealing with, our eyes are fixed on Him, our face is set like flint, and we're going to follow God and do what God wants us to do. Amen. You know, I remember when my youngest daughter Katie was, she had just turned two. And uh, we just had her two-year-old pictures taken, and she had posed and preened and hammed it up pretty good. One day, she and I were in the car by ourselves and driving through a horrible thunderstorm, the kind you have back out on the plains. Lightning was everywhere. Great bolts of lightning were striking all around us. Not close, but you could see them. Thunder and rain and wind the whole nine yards. And I glanced to my right, and I noticed, now, this was before car seats and all that kind of stuff, okay? So, yes, my two-year-old was in the front seat with me. Don't send me to prison for that. I glanced to my right and I noticed that her face was pressed against the window. She was looking up with a great big old smile on her face. And she just kept doing that. So I finally said, Katie, what are you doing? What do you see out there? And she just smiled even bigger and she said, oh, dad, every time the lightning flashes, that's God taking my picture. (laughs) Folks, we've got to recognize there's another perspective when we're in hot water. When the storms are raging, when the winds are blowing, when the thunder and the lightning are crashing, we still serve a God who knows us, who cares about us, who's intimately involved in our lives and has a plan for you and me. That's what I want to talk to you about. faith that actually moves. So let's define faith. The greatest biblical definition is from Romans, cha- or excuse me, is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Where the writer of the Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. People say that faith is immaterial, that faith is ideological, but that's not what the scripture says. There are two very strong words used in that verse. Number one is substance, and number two is evidence. Evidence. Do you understand that when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I determine to live for Him and follow Him, there is a substance in my life that nothing can change or alter. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know He is alive, He is risen, He is leading me, guiding me, and directing me. It alters the way we view life when we understand the substance of faith. And the writer goes on to say, it's evidence, evidence. Now, Dr. D over here is a physical scientist. She can tell you all about evidence and what you have to have to determine if something is right or wrong. By the way, there's no evidence to back up evolution. You know that, right? It's a theory, so don't buy that, hog. I don't know why I said that. Somebody need to hear it, obviously. But faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. I like the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message. He said it's the handle on what we can't see. It helps us to hold on and to believe that God is well able. It helps us to understand that what we're believing for, hoping for, praying for, what God has deposited in our heart will in fact come to pass if we hang on to Him. So it's substance and then it's evidence. Then in verse 6, the writer of Hebrews from Hebrews chapter 11 says these words. Now he who comes to God must believe that he is... And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Somebody say that word with me. Impossible. Impossible. So faith is substance, faith is evidence, and faith is possibility. Oh, somebody needs to get that in their spirit this morning. You need to understand that if we're going to live like Jesus has called us to live, we have got to be a people of genuine, moving faith. Faith that changes us and changes those around us. Faith that enables us to stand. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, some say, well, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. Because the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, God has given to every man a measure of faith. How much is a measure? It's enough. It's enough. If you're baking a cake, you better have four cups of flour. It's a measure. It's enough to make... Somebody hear this. It's enough to make things turn out right. Oh, come on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith fills me with possibilities, and God has already given me enough to make things turn out right. You just aren't where I'm at yet this morning, are you? This is good stuff. You need to get it and hear it and receive it. Romans 14, 23, Paul went on to say, anything that is not of faith is sin. If it's not of faith, it's sin. Now go back to our definition. Understand, who is the author and the finisher of our faith? It's Jesus Christ. Some people have taken these scriptures and twisted them, perverted them, built all kinds of crazy ideologies and philosophies upon them. But I'm here to tell you, when you understand genuine moving faith, it will put you in a position where God does things in your life and you just have to say, wow, I can't believe that. You just have to look up at the heavens when the lightning's flashing and say, God's taken my picture. Oh, come on, folks, we got to understand it. God walks with us through those difficult times. He helps us. He enables us. And if we stay in faith, in faith, believing that God is, and that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, then the impossible becomes possible through Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed for His disciples. Do you remember what He prayed? He said, I have prayed for you. That thy faith fail not. Must be pretty important if he told his disciples, that's my prayer for you. Well, I've got great news this morning. He isn't just praying that for the disciples, but right now at the right hand of the throne of God, he's saying, Father, strengthen them that thy faith fail not. Strengthen them that they don't give up. Strengthen them that they don't turn aside. Strengthen them that they don't believe the lie of the devil. Strengthen them and let them walk in victory. So your faith does not fail. Jesus, for it must be pretty important. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, when he's talking about saving faith, he said, by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, but a gift of God. Do we understand that everything we receive comes by grace through faith? Or if I flip it around to Romans chapter 4, by faith through grace? Either way, it's doing the same thing. What it tells me is that mountain-moving faith doesn't originate in me. It originates in Him. And when I tap into Him, and when the life of the Son begins to flow through me, then I will see God do through me, around me, in those I care about, in those I come in contact with, amazing and mighty things. Come on, it's time to tap into the faith of Jesus Christ. Throughout Scripture... And you can look at Hebrews chapter 11. The writer does a great job of capsulizing men and women of faith. If you've never read Hebrews 11, that's your assignment for this afternoon. Read it and see what God does when people understand faith that moves. Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about Noah. You all know Noah, right? Go back to Genesis. His story is the earth was wicked, God was going to destroy them all. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everything comes by grace through faith. Not of your works, by grace through faith. The Bible says Noah built an ark. You know, some Jewish historians and scholars actually believe that he had to plant those gopher wood trees and he had to wait for them to grow so he could then cut them down and cut them into logs to build that boat. We know it took 120 years to build the ark. That's a long time. That's a really long time to stand in faith. He goes on to talk about uh, Moses. Do you understand that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household when he became a young man He recognized God had placed a him in his life to be a deliverer of Israel. So Moses went to do it the way he thought it should be done, and he killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And as a result, he ended up running for his life and spent the next 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep. Now God called him to be the deliverer of Israel, but 40 years, what's going on? And then when you advance it 40 years forward, God appears to him in a burning bush and says, now's the time. I know that's not what the King James says, but that's the essence. Now's the time. It's time to get up and go back. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. That's a word from the Spirit of God. It's time to get up and go back. Go back and mend relationships. Go back and make things right. Go back and start over again. Go back to the place that you laid God aside and let him fill you one more time. Get up and go back. And let God do what he's asking you to do. So he went back. In a very short period of time, he led the Israelites out of Egypt because of the miracles of God, the power of God, and took them right to the promised land. But then, you know, the story, they said, we can't do this. So another 40 years transpired as they wandered in the wilderness. Good at math, you know, now we're at 80 plus years since he first knew the promise of God for his life. And then it goes on to tell us about Abraham. Now, Abraham, God appeared to him and said, follow me and I will make you a mighty nation. Your descendants will be as the sand on the seas and the stars in the heavens. Well, Abraham believed him. Let's get this show on the road. Let's pack the camels and fold the tents and let's head out, Sarah. And you know what happened? 25 years passed and he didn't have a son to carry on the legacy and to fulfill the prophecy. What I'm telling you, and I want you to hear this clearly, is that when we come to a place that we live in mountain-moving faith, we don't watch the clock and we don't watch the calendar. We watch the Word of God, we listen to the Spirit of God, and we follow Him. Because there will be times when it's not immediate, it's not instant. You've got to keep walking the walk, keep talking the talk, keep believing the promise until it comes through in your life. Come on, too many of us... Well, pastor, I came forward and you prayed for me and nothing happened. Doug, aren't you glad you didn't have that attitude? Amen. Sam Pate, aren't you glad you didn't have that attitude? I can go on and on in this room of people that God is renewing and restoring day by day. Just because it doesn't happen in an instant doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Because faith is substance and faith is evidence. Get that in your spirit. Substance and evidence. Don't be bound by the calendar. Don't be bound by the clock. But let God move you. Matter of fact, if you look at Romans chapter 4, this is what Paul wrote about Abraham. When he says, these things, God called the things which are not as though they were. And speaking of Abraham said, he believed in hope against all hope. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body as dead. How old was Abraham when he finally had Isaac? A hundred years old, wasn't he? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want any more kids. Been there, done that, I'm not going back. I don't want to be a hundred-year-old daddy. I'm not sure I want to be a hundred-year-old anything, to be honest with you. But I certainly don't want babies running around my house when I'm a hundred. God gave him some kind of supernatural strength. Amen. I know everybody says, well, you don't understand. It was different back then. They lived a long longer. I'm telling you, no way, Jose. Don't want none of that. Let's move forward. So it says, he be not weak in faith. Consider not his own body now dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. They hadn't had children because she was barren. But God's... When God speaks a promise, it doesn't matter what anybody else has said. When God declares it's going to happen, it doesn't matter what mama and daddy and grandma and brother and sister and those nags at work have to say. All that matters is you know God said it's going to happen. Now faith is substance and evidence. Didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. She couldn't conceive. She was barren. But God said, you're going to be the father of a mighty nation. How's that going to happen? Well, I don't know, but God does. See, that's our other problem with faith. We've got to logically understand it. We have got to be able to think it through, reason it out, outline it, put it on paper, draw a flow chart so we can understand this is the way it's going to occur. Can I tell you, my God does amazing things because he is God. And he doesn't have to do what you tell him to do. See, that's what a lot of people think faith is. Well, God, this is what has to be done. No, faith is saying, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to serve you. If you do what I ask and what I'm asking you to do, wonderful. But if you don't, I'm going to serve you anyway. Anybody know a story that sounds kind of like that? Kind of like the three Hebrews, wasn't it? When Nebuchadnezzar said, bow, we're going to throw you in the fire, they said, and this is Steve's translation, it doesn't matter what you do, the God we serve is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to serve him anyway. I'm looking for some even if he doesn't faith in this room this morning. Even if he doesn't do what I've called on him to do, I'm not turning back. I'm not turning around. I'm not going back to where I once was. I'm not bowing to the idols and the culture of this society. I will stand for him. Get some even if he doesn't faith and gumption in your heart and your spirit. Get it down in your gizzard and let God make you a man or a woman of action for him. Everything comes by faith through grace. Romans 4.21 says that Abraham saw the promise of God because he was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able also to perform. I love that in the King James. I know there are message or versions that are easier to translate and handle, but I love the King James being fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, God's check is always good. He's never bounced, not one time. And if he spoke a promise into your life, it's time to reiterate in your spirit and say, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but you don't bounce checks. I'm going to believe it's happening in my life. He's able also to perform. You see, if your faith doesn't move you to action, it is it authentic faith? And that's the question you have to ask yourself this morning. Is it authentic faith? Because we think in Western Christianity that once I come to Jesus, everything is fine, everything is okay. Smooth sailing, calm waters. There'll be plenty of money to pay my bills. Never have another relationship problem. Everybody's going to love me. What world do you live in? Quit listening to those lying, deceiving preachers who tell you that nonsense. That's what it is. It's nonsense. You see, Jesus said, you need to know if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. When you come onto the Lord's side and accept Him as Lord and Savior, you better suit up because the fight is on. Now I'm here to tell you the benefits are outstanding, but you got to fight through this life. You don't sit down. You don't coast. You get up and you fight every single day. So you can read Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 through the end of that chapter, and it talks about, what about those who were tortured? What about those who were sawn in two? What about those who didn't see the mighty work of God? And I love the way it concludes in verse 39. All these having obtained a good report through faith, even though they didn't receive the promise. That messes with your Western thinking. That messes with your twisted theology. Because what he's saying is, it doesn't really matter whether you win in this life or whether you lose by man's standards. What matters is you stay faithful, and then one day you're going to hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, folks, I want you to realize we do live in victory. I want you to understand we do walk in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. But sometimes, sometimes people die. Sometimes life doesn't turn out like a plan. Sometimes there's no explanation for what I'm walking through. Sometimes sorrow engulfs the soul. Sometimes life is not fair. Sometimes you lose everything you've worked to gain. Sometimes That relationship goes south, and it's not coming back. Sometimes those kids go sideways and end up in jail. Sometimes people you know and love are gripped by alcohol and drugs, and it wrecks their life. But this is what Hebrews 11 comes to tell us, that if we have faith that moves, it doesn't matter what is coming against us, what we're walking through, what we're dealing with, because we know we're going to obtain the good reports. Oh, come on, church. It's time to walk and live as though God has already delivered everything into our lives and into our hands. You know what? If I never hear the expression, are you ready for this? If I never hear the expression, when my ship comes in, I'll be a happy man. Because that's not speaking about faith in God, it's speaking in my ability. If I never hear the expression, well, someday. I'm not living in someday, I'm living in today. And today I possess a faith that moves mountains when I choose to follow the living God. My mom, bless her heart, she died 15 years ago. She was diagnosed in May of 2002 with ovarian cancer. She died in November of 2002. Very short. But my mom was one of those ladies who always saw the glass half empty. Things were never quite right. Things were never the way they should be. She didn't get the fair share that she thought she deserved. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we don't possess a faith that's anchored in a God who is eternal, who knows today from tomorrow, then we'll find ourselves living in the place where we feel we are shorted in one way or another. But if we possess a faith that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we possess a faith that says, I know my Redeemer lives and on the last day I will stand before him. If we possess a faith that says, I believe in Christ not in this life only, but in the life to come, then we'll walk right through the mess we have to deal with. That's faith that moves. That's faith that moves. I believe real faith brings action every single time. It moves us to a place that God does great things in and through our lives. I was 15. And at 15 years old, I was asked to be a pallbearer in one of our neighbor's funerals. Known him all my life. He lived just a mile and a half down the road. His name was Chet Gosney. He was actually married to my dad's cousin. So not only a friend, but a family connection. I was the youngest Paul Bear there. All the other guys were in 20s and 30s, and they were friends and other family members. And at that time, my family attended a little old bitty Assembly of God church that should have been burned down, to be honest with you. We had 17 pastors in 20 years. It was a horrible little church. Terrible. They didn't get any good pastors because nobody wanted to go there. They were going to chew you up and spit you out. So they got the dregs. I don't remember what that guy preached that day, but I remember it was something about faith, and I distinctly remember the conversation in the car going to the cemetery. Buell Barnard, who was probably 35 at that time, was laughing, making fun of that preacher. Oh, it's all about faith. You just have to have faith. All you need is faith. He was quoting him back because that was about 30 minutes of that very thing. By the way, just so you know, funerals are meant to be short. And the message is meant to be inspiring. Just keep that in your mind, all right? Because when I do your funeral, that's the way it's going to be, amen? Not speaking prophetically, just want you to know. And the other guys in that car began joining in. None of them were believers. I wasn't either. But I was wise enough not to mock something I knew was from God, even though it wasn't communicated very well. And through the years, I've often thought back about that. And I realized that those who don't know Jesus don't understand faith at all. Because that's not the way it works. It just doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense to the unregenerate mind and spirit. But when you take the measure of faith that God has given you and you attach it to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and you believe he died and rose again from the dead and you understand he has a plan for your life and you begin walking in that plan, then watch folks what happens because suddenly what you don't understand, what maybe you can't describe is so deep in your spirit, you can't get rid of it. God will do what he said he would do. That's why every night we pray for two girls. Bring them back call them home. They're not living the way they're supposed to be living. Bring them back. Call them home. Oh, come on, somebody. Hear me. It's time to have faith that moves. Faith that moves. Matthew chapter 21. Look at that text with me. Verses 18 through 22. Now in the morning, he returned to the city. He was hungry. Speaking of Jesus. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit on you, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. When the disciples saw it, they marveled. How did the fig tree wither so soon? They'd never seen anything like that in their lives. Because when you're living in real faith, faith that moves, you're going to see things you've never seen in your life. And that's the great thing about it. Jesus said to them, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive now understand. Jesus isn't telling you to go moving mountains off the plains or out of the range into the sea. But rather he's saying the biggest thing you can imagine, the greatest obstacle you can bring into your mind can be moved when you walk in faith. Now let's talk about that for just a moment. Because we need to understand there's a lot of obstacles we face. The number one obstacle is our attitude. The way I think, the way I talk, the way I react. You know what? I don't always have perfect weeks. Matter of fact, this last week, it was right up there at the top of the worst week ever. We had paid $300 to have the kitchen all cleaned up so we'd be ready for today, and I walk in on Monday, and somebody's left dirty dishes in the sink. They can't even do that in my house, let alone God's house. You hear what I'm saying? Things don't always go right. Well, I lost my temper. I know. I'm never supposed to lose my temper. I do. On occasion. Because I believe Paul said, be angry and sin not. So I didn't sin. Didn't hurt anybody. Didn't talk badly about too many. And I washed the dishes. Put them away. You see, we need to understand things won't always go the way we want them to go. But when we come to the place that God is ruling and controlling our lives, He gets us through those emotional outbursts and brings us right back to a rock-solid faith that He's still in control. He's still in charge. He's going to see us through. Sometimes our attitude is the biggest obstacle. You need to think about that. Sometimes when pressures come against us, depression becomes our companion. When we, when we are in places we don't want to be, anger, even hatred, begin to rise up within us. Our attitude is our greatest enemy. Jesus said, you can say to that mountain, you can say to that anger, you can say to that depression, you can say to that addiction, you can say to that thing which has you bound, tied up, and won't let you go, be removed and cast into the sea. Oh, come on, it's time to know. So many people live in fear. Fear is a part of that attitude. I've told you this many times, but let me say it one more time. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It affects your attitude. It affects your outlook on life. It affects the way you live life and do life. It affects your relationships. It affects your church attendance. It affects what you think about your church. Do you realize today there's a lot of folks across America who wouldn't go to church because of what happened in Texas last Sunday? I've got news for you. The devil isn't going to run me off. He's not going to make me find a hidey hole and hunker down. There's evil around us all the time. It's time for the good people of God to stand up and say, fear will not chase us away. Just so you know, we have a security plan. We have a security team. You're safe when you come in here. They're watching over you. Be, Be free to worship God and praise him. Our attitudes are often our biggest obstacles. Well, I don't have as much as he does. Then envy and jealousy and greed begin to fill our lives. Our attitudes are our biggest obstacles. Well, I work harder than them. I do a better job than they do. Why didn't they get the promotion instead of me getting the promotion? Our attitudes are our biggest obstacles. If you haven't written that down now, I've said it three times, write it down. Our attitudes are our biggest obstacles. We have got to submit our mind to the authority of God because the Bible says, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Our attitudes are our biggest obstacles. I had an associate some years back. Very talented individual had a great heart for people, but could get so negative so fast. I finally had to fire the guy because his attitude was his biggest obstacle. Do you understand there are things you will never see? There are promises you will never inherit. There is evidence you will never experience until you get your attitude in line with the Word of God. The number one thing faith moves is you and me. Moves our attitude, changes our heart, changes our life, conforms us to the image of a living Christ. I don't know why I'm, I'm parked here on this topic this morning, but I am. And I don't care if I don't finish the rest of the notes, God is talking to folks in this room. It's time to stop your grumbling and complaining and bellyaching, and it's time to change your attitude And in everything give praise unto God. In all things give thanks unto God. Give Him worship. Give Him glory. Give Him honor. You want to know how to change your attitude? Quit focusing on your problem and focus on the problem solver. Focus on the one who has done all things and done them well. Focus on God who cannot lie. Focus on the one who gave you His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again from the dead. Focus on the one who's done a great thing in you oh come on folks it's time to change our attitude change our attitude during the civil war abraham lincoln met with a group of ministers in dc and one of them say said president lincoln let's pray that god is on our side god is on our side i gotta be honest with you, i was praying for the sinners last night god be on their side he said, let's pray that God is on our side. And Lincoln turned and looked at him. Now you understand Lincoln was a man of faith, sometimes very uh, unconventional faith, but a man of faith. Lincoln turned and looked at him and said, no, let's pray that we're on God's side. Amen. See, that's a shift in attitude. That's a change of direction. It's not about God lining up with what I want. It's about me lining up with what he wants. Oh, come on, folks. That's the way we change our attitude. We conform ourselves to the image and to the likeness of Jesus Christ in just a few moments. Tom, will you come back? We're going to sing that song. I give myself away. That requires a change of attitude. It really does. See, faith that move changes first and foremost you and me. It changes our attitude. Faith that move can change our relational breakdown. Faith that move can change our diagnosis. Faith that moves can change the heart and the nature of those around us. Faith that moves changes and moves our obstacles. And I'm going to conclude with this this morning. So the question is, what are you facing? What mountain is in your life today? What is it that you've been carrying around and you just can't seem to get past and get over? What is it that the devil has hounded you with? It's time to have some faith that moves. Faith that moves. Stand to your feet with me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're in this room this morning. You've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never exercised the measure of faith that God has made available to you according to Romans chapter 12. But today the Spirit of God is talking to you about there is a better way to live. There is a better way to do life. And that's with Jesus Christ. Because when you choose to do life with Jesus, He changes you from the inside out. He gives you a clean heart. He renews and restores your mind. He washes you by the Word of God every single day. He makes you his child a son of the living God a daughter of the most high when you choose to live for Jesus Christ so his heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning you say preacher I've never asked Jesus to come to my heart but today I want to ask him to forgive me I want to ask him to change me I want to ask him to be my Lord and Savior that's you right where you stand lift your hand and say pray for me lift your hand across this room today that's me yes others yes others others yes others others yes 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 others lift your hand and say pray for me pray for me I want Jesus to come into my life I want to exercise what God has given me that measure of faith so that God can change my life so wait another moment anyone else you'll join these many who've slipped up their hand so wait another moment secondly you're in this room this morning and you say Steve I need to change my attitude It is my biggest obstacle. And I want God to help me with that. I want God to transform me today. I want God to change the way I view what I'm walking through. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, pray for me? Yes, across this room this morning, so many, so many. This is what we're going to do. Tom's going to sing the song, I give myself away. And as he begins to sing, if you raised your hand, I simply want you to step out and come because I simply want to touch you and pray for you this morning. I want to make a point of contact in your life so God can help you and change you. If that's you and you raise your hand as he begins to sing, I want you to step out and come right now. We're going to pray together.
0: Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.